Wrestling with my brother We got a podcast, yeah Wrestling with my brother Hello and welcome back to the podcast that has more intensity, integrity and intelligence in its theme tune than other wrestling podcasts have in their entire output. Oh, it's true. It's true. It's wrestling with my brother. <laughs> wow. Three eyes in this case stands for three idiots. There, didn't it? We need a third. The other one. I don't know. I don't know. We need a third. <laughs> Our three listeners. <laughs> from Arkansas did you get any feedback last week from Arkansas that is we all good there no they, they would have sent a letter <laughs> wouldn't it take weeks <laughs> oh god oh Jesus oh oh we're down oh we're down listeners look at that it's live <laughs> for all the listeners out there Darren was searching the screen as if I actually had a progress bar of our listeners then yeah. it's like the pointless clock <laughs> This is not pointless, bro. This is, this is a great point to this. Two brothers coming together, chatting shit about our favourite records. Two brothers. Just just two brothers. And then a meteor came. And then, oh, you don't watch Rick and Morty, so you wouldn't get that reference, but it's very funny. No. Okay. It's in theatres now, coming this summer. Two brothers in a van. And then a meteor hit. And they ran as fast as they could. Well, we're not here to discuss animation. We're here to discuss wrestling in all its greatness. And a little birdie tells me, Brother Darren, that we might have a new segment this week. Is this true? It's true. Oh, it's true. It's true. (laughs) It's damn true. And it's called... Would you rather... Hey, <laughs> oh, that's a good identity. He sounds familiar, that guy. Yeah, exciting. Explain Tell me it. more. Oh, 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 we're both we're both being too polite. All right, I'll go. So yes, wrestling through the ages is done. There was a uh, kind of you know a little journey through our life and and our kind of bonding experiences as uh, as diehard wrestling fans. This was a really, really cool idea that we've come up with. I really do like it. So would you rather each week we're going to take it in turns to to pose life's big questions, you know, within the wrestling world? Would you rather A or B? And obviously they're wrestling related. We're both going to answer, but we don't know what each other are going to ask. I, I want to keep it quite spontaneous. So this is going to be everything, everything to do with wrestling, hopefully silly and funny like we normally are. So I'm going to kick things off. Darren, Darren, John, would you rather join the Kiss My Ass Club or receive a stink face? <laughs> and uh, why? <laughs> who's the stink face from? Can we clarify? Oh, no, it, it, it's, yeah, you've got to kiss Vince McMahon's tushy or be engulfed in Rikishi's <laughs> nether region. Because uh, you didn't say you didn't say Rikishi. So if it no, was taking a stink face, no. face from Sable, for example, I'm there. <laughs> uh, or Triple H, sure. <laughs> no, um, I mean, <laughs> so would I willingly kiss an old Darren. man behind? Yeah. Do you... Or unwillingly have a gigantic sweaty man shove his behind into my face? 
I suppose you yeah you've you've taken a you've taken a different avenue there, either willingly and unwillingly. I love the you you're you're doing a Carl Pilkins run right now. You're thinking of every scenario, and I'm Ricky. Like just answer the question. Um, I th- I think I would join the Kiss My Ass Club. I think I would. I mean, there's never any bad thing is going to come from kissing up to your boss, is there? Let's be honest. Literally. And if you have to go the ultimate and, and get down on your knees and, you know... Tell me you love me. <laughs> pucker up to his cheeks. You know, it's only going to... Things are only going to get better for you from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm the same. I think it's a, it's a pretty easy answer, but I just... I like the idea of comparing two arses, to be honest. That was, <laughs> that was where I was going with it. It's just comparing two bums. Yeah, I mean... Although Vince McMahon actually sharted once, do you know about that? No. Live, like in, in an event. Uh, who was it? Triple H? Damn, I should have had that fact ready. Look it up and we'll discuss it next week. He sharted live on air um, and someone at a wrestler had to walk behind him. And yeah, he, I think he had like chinos on. And he sharted. So even though he did that, you know, a billionaire's bum is going to be clean, isn't it? Squeaky clean, apart from that. Well, uh, generally, you'd expect it to be, yeah. Um, um, I've just Googled it, which is going to lead me down some horrific, <laughs> horrific internet uh, alleys. Uh, <laughs> alleys. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that was totally... Uh, so... Bruce Pritchard on his podcast talked about the time Vince McMahon accidentally pooped in his pants at SmackDown. It was Jim Ross. It was Jim Ross. That was it. Jim Ross. Yeah. He, um, I, I watched an interview with Jim Ross and he said, yeah, he, he sharted, yeah, live on air. And he had, he had light colored trousers on and he had to do his bloody Conor McGregor walk to the back and he chipped himself, basically. Can I read it? <laughs> Bruce Pritchard said, well, he sharted, okay. <laughs> Go into fart and he shit. And he walks up the stairs to Gorilla and says, Bruce, come here, pal. And I went, yeah. And he lifted up his jacket and he says, do you see anything? And I said, yeah, you shit your pants. God damn it. How about now? And he let his jacket down and I couldn't see it. And he said, do you think they'll be able to tell? And I said, if you keep your jacket on, you'll be all right, buddy. <laughs> and I, I've lived by that ever since. Whenever I shot, I make sure to put a jacket over the top, ask a friend. And I'm good to go. Um, while we're talking about people shitting yeah. themselves, do you remember Tommy Dreamer once like had such a forceful impact in a match that he shit himself? There have been quite a few uh, shitting incidents and puking incidents. Maybe she should do an episode on wrestlers shitting and puking. I... Oh, yeah, I get the listener numbers well up, wouldn't I? <laughs> all, the, all the coprophiles and emetophiles out there. Oh. The podcast that's literally full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, good. That was uh, the first edition of... Would you rather? And what a way to kick it off with with two backsides. Fantastic. (laughs) Two arses, which is uh, another way that this podcast has been described. Oh, class. So she'll turn next week. Okay, on to my first clip of the week. Now, your Rey Mysterio clip last week kind of inspired me. 
I, I, I would do a clip a week on, on a little Ray Ray. But this is a really kind of a big moment for him. This is Rey Mysterio winning the big one at WrestleMania 22. Athletes in this matchup. Look, look, hey, here's the deal, man. This match is about four minutes old, if that, and they're tearing it up already. Tearing it up. So yeah, this was the SmackDown main event um, at the big show, the big dance, um, and people are still calling it one of the best triple threat matches and one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. You know, it was three con- contrasting styles melding seamlessly together, and I had no idea it was only eleven minutes long. You know, I, I, you know, I've gone on record and say I still buy the DVDs like a bloody old man. And I remember watching this at the time thinking, whoa, I was not expecting that. <clears throat> Typically main events at WrestleMania is a, a kind of long drawn out affairs and these epic long battles. But this was just boom, 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 you know, really kind of high speed, super hot crowd. The crowd was a bit weird, to be honest. So they were cheering Angle and they were booing Ray. Um, but I remember, and, and they mentioned on commentary as well, that the crowd had been acting strange all night, almost booing the faces and cheering for the heels. So they're having a bit of an opposites night. I, I don't know whether they were pissed off with what was being forced on their throats or what. I, I read a little bit about that, actually. Some people think it might have been because they thought WWE were exploiting Eddie Guerrero's memory at the time and Ray was doing it for Eddie and it was all about doing it for Eddie and the crowd was sick of it. And then also because Angle was so over with his wrestling machine gimmick at the time. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think the commentators are right. Basically, I think most of the crowd were just being dicks. (laughs) But en masse, like, yeah, the the, the biggest crowd of dicks (laughs) imaginable. Um, you know, just to call some of the spots like we we like to do, you know, the double German suplex amazing that assisted Hurricane Rana, the 619 counting into the ankle lock. Angle here, you know, was a far cry from his milk chugging days, just how intense he was. You know, he, he was really ruthless. He was the next Ken Shamrock, you know, and it, and it was funny that he took his finisher uh, as well as his aggression and, you know, his ruthlessness. Who would have thought this stupid bumbling buffoon would turn into such a vicious fighter? Did you or did you not? I'm sure you did. Did you notice the commentary glitch with Taz? Oh. Maybe, but I haven't made a note of it. So maybe it slipped my mind. Oh. It's quite, well, I say it's quite early on. It's only 11 minutes anyway. Go back and listen to it. He repeats the line. Um, he basically says something to the effect of it. We're only four minutes in and they're already tearing it up. Right, yeah. And it reminded me of, <laughs> they really what we used to play like WWE games and they'd repeat <laughs> the same fucking lines over and over. Like you'd have a suplex. That's a hellacious DDT. No, no, no. That was five moves ago. Checked. <laughs> I had a game, a, a FIFA football game years ago for the PC. I mean, this was the 90s when games were, were nowhere near as good as they were now. And the commentary on it, um, whatever the file was, got corrupted. And the only piece of commentary that came out was um, John Motson, who was a football, famous football commentator in the UK, um, saying, isn't it amazing what they're making the goalkeepers wear these days? And it was just that every match <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> Whatever you were doing, if you scored a goal, isn't it amazing what they're making the goalkeepers wear these days? So, yeah, maybe Taz's uh, files were corrupted. 
Yes, oh, he is he's absolutely rubbish on, on commentary, though. He can't get his words out. I have no idea how he's lasted so long as a commentator. You watch some matches with Taz commentating, you're thinking, what? What are you talking about? It's almost as bad as this podcast. But, you know, Ray finally winning the heavyweight belt after all the naysayers said he was too small and couldn't, you know, hang with the big boys. And, you know, it, it was a triumphant kind of victory bit sad bit marred at the fact that everyone was bloody booing it but they were like it all night i remember the matches thinking why are you booing this is this is ridiculous but yeah that was race finally winning the gold yeah i mean you talked last week about how good mysterio is in every match that he's in and it's, it's true i mean i i don't think i'd ever seen this match before but it's just so good all all these three are such amazing competitors. The way that Ray gets thrown around the ring <laughs> and out of it as well is nuts. I mean, you talked about that triple German suplex at the start, but the height that he got off the throw, yeah, it's just crazy. I mean, he is he is so much smaller. When you put him up against a taller guy like Randy Orton, he looks even shorter. <laughs> um, and th- yeah, just the way that he was bouncing around and getting flung around, it was uh, it was really entertaining. You've called all the best moves there, but right. um, it was a shame that he fucked up that second 619 run the turnbuckle as well. That would have been a good move, but he slipped. I know. He, he's a bit like Sabu in some instances. He's, um, I think the more high risk you are, you know, like Sin Cara, Christ. Have you seen a blooper reel of Sin Cara? Mind? He can't even get in the ring without killing himself. Yeah, I think it's a lucha libre. It's a luchador thing, isn't it? Yeah, um, but it was good, and it was good that they finally put the the big belt on him. If I remember, I don't think he held it for very long, and I think he he might have lost it in, you know, shenanigan style circumstances, which is a shame. But yeah, I think there's a lot of criticism of, um, of Vince, especially you know back in the eighties and nineties that WWE was the the land of the giants. But you know when he saw something in a smaller wrestler, and when the crowd were behind the smaller wrestler and he knew that he could make money off it he would elevate that wrestler against you know whatever bias that he had and and you know good on him because guys like Eddie Guerrero Chris Jericho and then especially Rey Mysterio would never have been elevated to championship status anywhere else um and the fact that they did was um was really to their credit um yeah so good choice well, <laughs> I just wanted to show you and the rest of our audience that it's not just about blood and guts and death and gore. You know, nobody bled. This was just a short, fast-paced match. And, yeah, really good ending, really kind of momentous occasion. Nice. Oh, yeah. So, on to my first clip. This is the Nature Boy Ric Flair arriving in the WWF as it was, with the big gold belt in 1991. Now, it's time, live and in living color, the greatest world's heavyweight champion in the history of this great sport. And it's my pleasure to introduce, you got it, the real world's champion, Rick Flair! So yes, we're back in 1991 and the real world's heavyweight champion Ric Flair is on WWF TV, which 
was a genuinely momentous event in wrestling history. Of course, now, you know, we're used to seeing the big gold belt on WWE TV because for years it's been owned by the WWE. First, it represented the WCW Championship in the Invasion, and then it was one half of the Undisputed Championship, and then it was resurrected as the World Heavyweight Championship after the brand split. And of course, we've just seen Rey Mysterio win it in our first clip. But back in 1991, the belt was synonymous with the NWA and WCW, and especially with the man himself, Ric Flair. And then to see them both on WWF TV was mind-blowing. Yeah, not that you'd know it from the audience, mind you. They couldn't look or sound less interested. This was real kind of cheer for your favourites levels of excitement going on in that crowd. <laughs> I don't know. That, that man in the brown suit, was he was one insult away from an aneurysm, wasn't he, at one point? Go Hogan! <laughs> he was really getting into it, yeah. I mean, I don't know why they focus on him and not the kid next to him in the, the you know, Legion of Doom outfit, but yeah. But most of them look you know, middle-aged, like they've been brought in from the set of another TV show, like Judge <laughs> Judy or something. It's so random. They weren't wrestling fans. But yeah, unfortunately, because the WWF didn't like to acknowledge their competitors at all back then, um, and because this was the pre-internet days, most TV audiences and wrestling fans at the time probably wouldn't have appreciated the significance of this. But if you think of the landscape today, this would have been like Kenny Omega suddenly walking onto Raw with the AEW Championship around his waist. Um, yeah, it was unprecedented. So, you know, how did it happen? Well, Flair had left WCW after a contractual dispute. Um, and apparently as NWA champion, he paid a deposit uh, for the belt. But the WCW executive president, Jim Hurd, refused to return the deposit. So he took the belt with him to WWF. And that actually led to a court case that established the belt as property of WCW. So after that, WWF was forced to take it off air sharpish and then blur the belt every time it showed any clip of, of this era um, up until fairly recently. But yeah, how funny is Bobby the Brain Heenan at the start <laughs> walking through the production street, barking these nonsense orders, get a tie that matches, get a haircut. And he, like, you know, he stumbles over his words a few times, but then he, he makes up for it. I'm excited. You know? <laughs> that was um, my favourite, yeah, when he was, <laughs> he just sassed everyone, but then, yeah, he fucked up. And he was like, oh, no, I just pulled those over. But he acknowledged his fuck up. I mean, he's such a, a good worker on the mic. And, uh, yeah, back in the day, he was, like, the ultimate heel manager and commentator. And I loved Bobby the Brain. He was so good. I mean, that, that's, that's all there is to say about this specific clip, but uh, again, this is just another example of WWF really dropping the ball on a potentially huge money-making feud because you can see that, you know, this is building to a Flair-Hogan match at WrestleMania um, and the crowd, well, that one guy anyway is into it. <laughs> <laughs> Flair's obviously up for it. Um, but apparently they had some fights at some house shows which didn't go down too well. Well, that that was what the excuse was. So it got dropped. And instead, we saw Flair Savage, which was good, mm. and Hogan Justice, which was not. No. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember that WrestleMania well. And, oh, yeah, I mean, don't... Why would you put him in house shows, for Christ's sake? Don't have them even touch each other. Just have press conferences and heated debates and, you know, USC-style slang matches over over microphones don't don't why would you put him the two biggest stars in the world don't put him in bloody house matches 
keep them apart. And then the second they touch is at WrestleMania. That that's you know it's a no brainer. It, yeah, it just didn't make any sense that they would go on to blow such a huge angle. I mean, these were the figureheads of their respective companies at the time. You know, there were no bigger wrestlers than Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair. If you asked a casual non-wrestling fan to name a wrestler at that time, one of these would have been their answer. Um, and for them not to follow through on on a feud is just inconceivable. But yeah, you're right. I mean, they could have built to this with, you know, the odd confrontation backstage, interview segments, press conferences. It's not as if the WWE, you know, weren't going to do anything big with Ric Flair. It wasn't like a sting situation where they were burying their competitor and saying, this guy's useless, you know, he's WCW, he's nobody. They pushed him to the moon. I mean, they had him on with the big gold belt, showing him off as the real world champion against their own champion for a start. Then they made him win the Royal Rumble and then they put him in the main event of WrestleMania. So there's no excuse, really. They had big plans for him. Why it didn't include Hogan, I'll never know. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not much more to say. You know, it was it was funny at the start and that that <laughs> just the brown suit kind of tickled me, to be honest. I was, I was just watching him. I know it was a momentous occasion. There wasn't much, you know, in the clip. He's had better kind of promos, but I, I know why he picked it. It was, you know, for the backstory. And yeah, like you said, I mean, even to this day, WWE don't acknowledge... TNA or people coming from Impact Wrestling, they don't, you know, they never existed. Whereas half the roster they've got have come from Ring of Honor, you know, and the indie promotions, CZW, uh, you know, all these backyard federations, they would never even say anything. And, you know, it's only until the invasion angle, really, did they acknowledge ECW and WCW for what they were. And that was only because it was part of the show. So he's still doing that to this day, which is Crazy. I mean, you said about Kenny Omega. Hello. He got three different championships from three different promotions. And the AEW doing, you know, great TV with impact. They've got this deal because wrestling, that's what it should be about. Just sharing your roster and sharing your talents. And, you know, you don't see many. I mean, WCW versus the NWO, but they were both within WCW. You don't see many companies feuding with each other they do it a lot in japan japanese wrestling you know over there they do promotion versus promotion matches but yeah you don't see much of that of you which is a shame but again let's keep on saying AEW got their finger on the pulse doing something different right what's mcmahon not doing fine we'll do it so yeah <laughs> you realize you notice how AEW's becoming my new ecw ecw is like fading away every chance I get now is oh hey W but oh, it really is good because you know there's a lot of jaded fans out there 2021 we've seen it all it's it's all been done whereas has it though zombie lumberjacks <laughs> well maybe not but yeah no it's a good uh, good moment in history that Okay, dokie. I've been wanting to uh, show this clip for a while now. I've, I've had this on my to-do list. It's just been, there's been other clips ahead of it. Uh, I'm sorry, it's a little bit violent, a little bit bloody, but, you know, quite accidental, to be honest. So this is Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon at King of the Ring 2001. Right from the King of the Ring set. Oh, 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 oh,
upside down. And then I think Shane's head just bounced right off the, the concrete floor. Shane McMahon is down. And Come again, on. this match Get cannot be won, but in the ring, you got to believe it was Falls Town anywhere. Angle might be able to take it right here. Oh, I think Kurt Angle now just needs no. to bring Shane back to the ring and beat him. Oh, not again. Oh, oh my God. Right through that glass. So we featured a Shane McMahon match on our very first podcast, if you remember. And so this was when Shane was the kayfabe owner of WCW. Um, and, you know, completely coincidentally, I've chosen two Kurt Angle matches this week, which is strange because I've only liked him towards the end of his career, not, not in his uh, milk chugging days. Um, and you call me a hardcore match, you know? I, I'm an Olympian as well, bro. I, I like the... The technical wrestling too, so some of that. It's uh, true. It's true. Why are you omitting damn? He says it's true. It's damn true. Don't censor yourself. Don't like to swear. Yeah, but we drop f bombs. Maybe change it to it's true. It's true because damn was more attitude. Anyway, so yeah, this match was hardcore for all the wrong reasons. I mean, things got <laughs> way out of control. Apologies, I'm going to run through pretty much all of the spots, but it's my clip, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just Shane's dive over the announce table at the start, missing the shooting star press onto a bloody trash can, uh, the suplex onto the ramp, which legitimately breaks Kurt Angle's tailbone. He's gone on record, and I've seen video clips, and he said, well, I think the soundbite was, and I think I broke my tailbone when you know you've got the don't try this at home kind of segment but he legitimately broke it um you know you're gonna know all of this but you know it's cool to share the glass they used was not display glass the idiot they set up the props bought actual bloody glass and they couldn't get through it so that's why Shane didn't go through it not once after landing on his head but three times all of that blood was real. You have never before or since seen either man covered in blood. I mean, if it's a Mick Foley match or, you know, any number of hardcore wrestlers. Yeah. You know, our friend, the Necro Butcher, that's just a Tuesday night for him. But to, I mean, I don't know how you felt at the time, but just to see Kurt Angle bleeding in any way, you know, from his arms, like he's an Olympic hero. He doesn't bleed absolutely shocking and yeah just that huge slam at the end which legitimately knocked out Shane um I don't know if you've seen oh your eyebrows are raised you obviously haven't there's a, a cool like 10 minute interview uh following that match probably you know years after it happened and Shane said yeah I was legitimately knocked out I was just it was the most physical thing I've ever been through being you know dropped to my head thrown through glass that just knocked me out I think he he came to when the bell sounded. Oh my god! I mean, for Shane has cool stuntman esque high spots, but he's not known as a hardcore wrestler. He's you know he's got cool little spots. I mean, Kurt Angle certainly is known for a hardcore wrestler at all. And for them to have a match as brutal as this, yeah, amazing. What did you what do you think? 
Yeah, yeah, I remember this. I remember watching this, if not live, then certainly, you know, um, as live, maybe the day after. And wow, for a non-wrestler, Shane is in some of the most memorable matches ever, isn't he? <laughs> it really is. It's mental. And yeah, you're right. I picked the clip of um, Shane falling 50 feet off the scaffolding in, in the very first episode. And I had this in the back of my mind. So this was going to be picked eventually by one of us. But yeah, this is remembered for all the wrong reasons, of course, for that glass not breaking. And then the way his head bounced off the floor the first time the glass didn't break. God, oh, terrific. Um, but to be fair, it wasn't all one way, was it? It was, you know, Shane got some good offence in as well. Mm. Um, and he used some quite innovative moves with the, the trash can and the trash can lids and all that sort of stuff. I mean, i got to pick him apart on some of his tactics, mine, because when Angle got down and invited Shane to grab him in that wrestling hold. Why didn't Shane just grab a chair and twat him across the back? This, you know, it was a street fight, so he couldn't have got disqualified. That's what I would have done. Olympic rules, bro. Got to honour those. Mm, okay. Well, they weren't honouring the Olympic rules when they were smashing each other with weapons later on and throwing each other through glass. Knowing then that the glass wasn't fake, that it makes the Irish whip through the glass or, well, whatever, you just shoved yeah. in through it that second time, all that more disturbing. I mean, oh, yeah, the, oh, just the blood. I mean, like you said, the, 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 they were blade jobs. You, they yeah. were actual real cuts from real glass. And I, you know, I cut myself from glass and things like that, tiny cuts to, to slightly larger cuts. And it, oh, it hurts and it stings. And I can't imagine doing that and like sweating my bollocks off at the same time because that's just a nightmare mixture of, ugh, yeah, horrible. <laughs> but um, your real world analogies for, come on, g- give us an example. I, I missed these. You were going to carry these on. You didn't do it. I got an awkward paper cut on my finger the other day. There you go. So Take that, Shane. <laughs> it, it did bleed a little bit and like it's we grip things so every time i gripped something for a, about a week it was it really hurt and it reminded me of that piece of paper i imagine that these were <laughs> feeling like that on every part of their body for the next month awful awful stuff oh, i love you being reminded of a piece of paper anything on the paper or is it just a blank sheet uh, i can't remember but uh, it's it's largely irrelevant really i what i was going to say about um <laughs> I, Heyman on commentary was uh, really good as well. Mm. And uh, his line, do you know how much money this stuff is worth? <laughs> I know. Yeah, he was like, I don't care about that. The rest is well-being. <laughs> it's really good. Um, I didn't realise that the angle slam at the end knocked him out. Yeah. But looking back on it, I mean, the height from that finishing angle slam was incredible. But then Shane... I thought he was just selling it really well on the floor. But yeah. if that was a look of a man genuinely being knocked out, it was quite a disturbing look on his face in retrospect. Yeah. But yeah. How the ref didn't throw his hands up in a cross like multiple times during this match to stop it, I don't know. I mean, do you think the... Uh, was it when Kurt... Yeah, Kurt put Shane on that kind of wheelie... Uh, <laughs> 
thing. Do you think that was scripted or did he think, oh my God, I literally got to drag what is essentially an average human man, not a superhero wrestler, back down the ramp? Do you think he just thought on his feet and thought, right, fuck this, that's the, I'm wheeling him back? I kind of wondered that, but I thought, well, if he was thinking on his feet, maybe he would have carried him over his back, like in a fireman's kind of carry or, or something like that, something a little bit more easy. Yeah, but he um, broke his tailbones, so that would have, that would have killed. No. True, I don't know. It, it was good uh, innovation, you know, whether it was scripted or not. But yeah, yeah the, the extent of the violence and bloodshed that these men put themselves through for this match it's just incredible but the thing is the reason why you like it and i understand that is because it wasn't a death match you know death matches there's pretty much no story i'm going to f you up no i'm gonna f you up all right then we'll see you gonna f one each other up first this the the build up to it was great the story was good there was some good comedic parts to it as well and you know, the, the blood only heightened the feud that they had. And it was a really bloody weird feud of, you know, the son of a billionaire mogul versus a genuine Olympic wrestling champion. So, you know, that that's, that, that's why you like it. And I understand that, you know, as opposed to other kind of death matches, which, yeah, they, they are a bit silly. There's not much backstory. It's just blood for blood's sake. But... I mean, this had drama, you know, the, the build-up was good. And yeah, I just remember kind of laughing at some of the segments before the match and then <laughs> certainly weren't laughing afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it, it is for me a lot about the story and about the build-up to it because then that adds that drama and the tension and it makes the blood more realistic and then has more impact at the same time because, you know, you believe in the cause or whatever it is that these people are fighting for. You you think that they hate each other over something. Now, I'm not saying every feud is a good one because, God, there have been some stinkers over the years, and especially during the Attitude Era. But I think, by and large, and at this time, the feuds made sense, and there were some good ongoing storylines. And it, it just does that. And when you see a, a death match where two people are fighting just to make each other bleed for, for no reason. There's, there's very little to be invested in. You know, you, you're invested in this because Shane cost Kurt Angle in the King of the Ring, and then he did something else as well. I can't remember the full backstory, but you know that Angle wanted to get his revenge on Shane, and for whatever reason, Shane wanted to do damage to Angle. So, you know, you really believe these two men wanted to go for it. I mean, you talked about Mick Foley. You know, the Mick Foley-Cactus Jack match, that you you showed us the blood. I mean, I don't know what the build up to that was, or or what the feud was. Maybe there wasn't one. It didn't didn't seem like it. But then I know that the Mick Foley Triple H matches over the championship. You know, they portrayed real hatred um, for each other. Triple H didn't want Mick Foley in the company anymore. Wanted him to retire. Wanted him to get out of there. Mick Foley wanted to prove he could be champion one last time. You know, you've got that drama and it, it, there's a reason for these two people to be fighting rather than just, well, let's stick them in there and see some blood. Yeah, yeah, there's this kind of genuine tension as opposed to, yeah, let's, let's just kill, kill someone. Oh, yeah. Okay, so on to the final clip of this episode. And this is Mr. McMahon becoming ECW champion at WWE Backlash 2007. And again, 
Mr. McMahon telling Umaga, 10 man, he's in. Here we go. This is it, Mr. McMahon. Oh, he got him. He got him. I can't believe this. No. No win over this match. ECW World Champion, the chairman of World Wrestling Entertainment, Mr. Mitman. You gotta be kidding me. So as you know, the original version of ECW died in 2001. Some of the wrestlers joined the WCW invasion of WWE, but as far as most fans were concerned, the promotion was over. In 2003, WWE gained the rights to ECW's trademarks and video library and began selling ECW merchandise, including the rise and fall of ECW DVD. And the huge popularity of all that merchandise then prompted the WWE to hold the ECW One Night Stand pay-per-view in 2005, and then a second one the following year. And then, on May 25th, 2006, WWE relaunched the ECW brand as a standalone show. Wow, what a difference. I mean, gone was the piss poor production values, the grimy arenas, the even grimier fans. And in their place was this slick professional promotion that everyone agreed was head and shoulders above the original ECW or extremely crappy wrestling, as everybody then started calling it. They got rid of the no rules nonsense, brought back DQs, countouts, and all the things that make wrestling good and watchable. And then in April 2007, they finally gave the belt to a worthy champion, a man who'd waited for world title glory for eight long years, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Forget your RVDs, your Sandmans, your Mikey Whipwrecks, all those. This is who the fans wanted and deserved as ECW champion, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. You can see what it means to him. In, in his face, he's he's overjoyed. And his son, who's there to share in the glory with him and celebrate in the ring, you know, what it means to them as a family, it's incredible. It's, you know, how good was it as well to hear his theme tune played at the end? No chance in hell, I, I got goosebumps just thinking about it now. I mean, this is, this is the real ECW, you know, and sadly, he would only go on to hold the belt for 35 days but he had to because he had to make way for other worthy ECW champions like Chavo Guerrero, Kane, and Mark Henry. <laughs> and that's, I guess, is no discussion to be had there because you would agree with every word. I hate that you've diffused what was going to escalate into such a violent situation. I was going into this clip seething and my face is hurting from laughing. Right, you rat bastard. I'll compose myself. I'm just going to say my bit and then that's it, okay? So so this is it, right? You pick this clip for every bloody death match that I've ever featured on this pod. I'd rather watch an hour of Warrior versus Collins than watch this billionaire buffoon besmirch my belt. WWECW should never have existed. It should have stopped after one night stand. I was as disgusted as Joey Styles on commentary, and we never, ever talk about this moment ever again. <sighs> Controversial. Do, do, do. Well, there we are. Should we end the episode or do you want me to go on? <laughs> oh, man, there was a sound of me leaving. 
Oh, you rat bastard. I, I pissed myself as soon as, I, as soon as you sent him. Like, oh, God, he's killed me. Dreadful. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to see a zombie in a wrestling match, you know? Again, we, we've come full circle here. Yeah, I mean, oh, it's on the sci-fi channel. What can we do? Uh, should we do a UFO? No, let's do a zombie wrestler. Absolute fucking bullshit. Dreadful. What an embarrassment. I, I said, I just vowed that I wasn't going to say any more, but yeah, you, but you better stop me. I'm going to go off on one. Terrible. And it's stupid do rag as well. I'd burn it. You'd burn it the ground. You don't think he was a worthy champion then to be held up alongside all the former ECW alumni? <sighs> no, you don't think he was worthy to hold that championship belt? I love that you didn't even say Shane as well. And his son was there. And someone from his family. Oh, brilliant. No, it's just horrendous. Absolutely just terrible. Everyone, everyone involved. Just don't. Why? Why? You've got Heyman. Just say, this is yours. It's yours again, buddy. Do with what you will. Make me some money. That would have been brilliant. Oh, you can kind of see, you know, the reason for relaunching it because of the success of the merchandise and those two pay-per-views and that style of wrestling and those ECW originals were obviously hugely popular. Um, and to have that brand then as your your third brand, um, it, it it kind of made sense. But if they didn't treat it with the reverence and respect that they should have, there was just no point. It was you know, a pale imitation of the other two, uh, Raw and SmackDown. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a travesty. Um, there were good things to come out of it though. Let's, let's look at it objectively. You know, it was CM Punk's introduction to WWE. Yeah. And, and Heyman said more than once, if ECW would have carried on, it didn't go bankrupt and Punk would have approached him. He's the exact type of talent that he would have wanted. But I mean, one of the many, many things that I absolutely love about ECW is they're all homegrown talent. You didn't see, you know, he'd have the luchadors for a short time. I mean, off the top of my head, like Bam Bam Bigelow, you know, in and out, uh, Sid Vicious in and out. All of the stars were homegrown, you know, bloody roadkill, Danny Doring, little Guido, uh, bloody balls, Mahoney, Axe or Rotten, all of these freaks that are too small, too fat, too violent to make it anywhere else. That's what I loved about it. And, you know, seeing them progress. It... But this, like you said, come on, none of these, none of these wrestlers deserve to be on the ECW banner. If they, I tell you, like I've, I've got, I own a lot of ECW reunion shows. Is Hardcore Homecoming one and two. Um, do you remember we watched Hardcore Justice, the TNA pay-per-view, where Tommy Dreamer went to Dixie Carter and he said, look, you know, bring us back for one night only. Boom, that was done right. You had the, the commentators, the referees, the announcers, all the original stars, none of these Elijah Burks and that fucking vampire Kevin Thorne or whatever the hell his name was. You know, they did it right and they respected it. Oh, that If they would have done that, Great, yeah, but you had the ECW originals, what, four wrestlers out of an entire company? Yeah, it's, it's not that there wasn't blood and guts and they were 
you know, DQs, they, they still, well, no, actually, they weren't DQs in ECW, but not every match was blood and guts. You know, there were loads of, of really technical high-flying matches in ECW when you wouldn't see a chase shot or, or blading. You know, it's not on every match occasion, but, oh, God, dreadful. I hate you. I hate, <laughs> I hate him for doing it. Yeah. Billionaire, I, I like that. I like the alliteration. Billionaire buffoon besmirching my belt. Triple B. Well, I'm sorry you've left on such a sour note. <laughs> yeah, because this could have ended any other fucking way. <laughs> this is going to end in sunshine and rainbows. You shithead. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll sign off for the fans then. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you for interacting on the socials. You can find us on Twitter at WrestleBrosPod. Um, let us know as well what you would rather do. Would you rather join Mr. McMahon's Kiss My Ass Club or take a stink face from Makishi? Um, let us know your feelings on the WWE ECW revival. Do you feel as passionately as uh, Craig or did you enjoy it as much as me? <laughs> and um, yeah, until next time, stay safe. Yeah, take care, dudes. <laughs> Wrestling with my brother, we got a podcast, yeah! Wrestling with my brother, 